from VinePairs New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. And I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the Vine Pair Podcast. Guys, we had a lot of really great reactions to, to our last, to last pod. Monday's pod. Yes. Yeah, lots of good emails. People really jiving with my tirade. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had to like go back and listen. I was like, did I really get insane? And I, I did. Something came over you. <laughs> I, I watched it happen. I know. But, uh, but yeah, we got a lot of positive reaction. I don't think Keith listened, though. Well. Anyways, uh, so how are you both? Good, good. Zach? Uh, I'm doing well, thanks. Yeah. You know, it's... Uh, good, man. It's just it's just uh, getting ready for, for the least exciting holiday of the year. Well, I mean, the most exciting. Okay, shut Sorry, up. We're going to talk about that. Year, Super okay? Bowl. Oh, the Super Bowl? <laughs> oh, that one, too. Right That's true. Yeah, let's do predictions. <laughs> oh, predictions. I mean, can we do predictions of who we want to win or who's going to win? Who's playing? Uh, you can say both, I guess. <laughs> See, if we asked about hockey, Joanna would know. No. <laughs> uh, it's the Rams and the uh, the Bengals. Gotcha. So the Bengals are Cincinnati, from Cincinnati. I know. And the Rams are now from, yeah, where are they from? LA, but they used to be from St. Louis. St. Louis, okay. But weren't they somewhere else before St. Louis? They were Louis, in LA like? before St. Louis. That's so right. So LA, LA, St. St. Louis, LA. LA. Right. Uh, who cares? Uh, <laughs> LA's will never have anything on New York. Anyways... Uh, <laughs> But uh, but I do like L.A. Actually, if I had to choose a West Coast city, I would choose L.A. I think. Ouch, Adam. Ouch. That's fine. What I, do you think? Do you think there's <laughs> enough room in Seattle for Adam and me? I'm not sure. Also, no. <laughs> no. Also, to be fair, I don't consider Seattle a West Coast city. Seattle is a Pacific Northwest city. I mean, we it's are on a, the it's West a different coast. area. <laughs> it's like a different vibe. Okay. It's like the West Coast is like basically California. If I was to choose a California city, you'll have to choose between two. <laughs> I would choose LA over San Francisco. Wow. If I was to choose a, a Pacific Northwest city, I think I would choose Seattle over Portland. Mm. That's that's the right the call. Ch- the two in Seattle, or, Seattle yeah. or Vancouver. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I, I, would, I think I would choose Seattle over Vancouver too. Oh, there you go. Yeah, see, Seattle's a great city. I just like to, bu- I just like to fuck with Zach. <laughs> We're getting way off track here. I Anyways, think, as much as it pains who's me, win? I think the Los Angeles Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and you guys will be listening to this after it happens. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I really want the Bengals to win. It's like I just, you know, here's the thing too. What do you guys feel? How do you guys feel about this? I mean, the the Rams, the dude who owns the Rams, Stan Kroenke owns like Screaming Eagle right. and Honada and like. A ridiculous what's the what's the burgundy producer he owns oh that's a good question i don't remember but yeah really mm-hmm. ridiculous burgundy producer and like i kind of want him to lose for that i don't know <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just like i don't know i kind of want the dude who owns screaming eagle to lose <laughs> i just really do and i feel like the Bengals are like just a salt of the earth america team mm-hmm. you know like the families own the team since the very beginning like they didn't come in with you know billions of dollars to buy the team also i kind of loved uh, Joe Burrow had like a quote earlier in the season. He's the quarterback of the Bengals for those who mm-hmm. are unaware. Um, and yeah, Keith's saying thank you. Uh, <laughs> or basically like they're asking why he thought they were playing well. And like they had, didn't, they had, they hadn't had any COVID outbreaks. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if you guys ever been to Cincinnati, Cincinnati is a boring city. We all like go to practice and go home and hang out. <laughs> I just, like, I just, like, love how honest it was. Like he wasn't even trying to say, oh, that they really did. But I was like, no, man, like it's boring. There's like no clubs here. There's no great. Way. He's like, we just go home. Like we, we come, yeah. we, go, we come to work and we go home. You know, it's like LA, a lot of distractions. Yeah. Like, just, just, yeah. You know, so I would like the Bengals to win, but I, I do think it's probably going to be the Rams. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, Joanna? I'm going to root for the Bengals. Yes. Sure. Sure, why not? To be clear, I will also be rooting for the Bengals. I just 
think the Rams will win. But I would love to be wrong. Yeah. Mm. Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? What have you guys been drinking lately, <laughs> Yeah, though? come on, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> what have I been drinking lately? Good question. Um, I had a couple of things recently that I really enjoyed. Um, inspired by, by our friend uh, Tim McCurdy in his recent episode of Cocktail College. <sighs> I did a uh, made myself a sidecar. Uh, the Me other night. too. Uh, I saw kinda... that. Mm-hmm. Ah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, Little Grammon. Sorry, I listened to Cocktail yeah. College. <laughs> I gave up on it. <laughs> oh, Adam. Oh. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So just a, a very standard formulation with uh, actually the Pierre Fronde, uh eighteen forty uh, cognac that uh, his uh, cognac guess. in question. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, some Grand Marnier and fresh lemon, a little bit of. Uh, I unfortunately do not have Demerara sugar, so I had to just make deal with your standard simple syrup. <laughs> Don't hate me, Tim. Um, and yeah, it was really tasty. Uh, and then I've uh, been also, of course, getting back into some drinking some wine. Uh, had a beautiful Chardonnay from uh, Big Table Farm here in, mm. uh, in the Pacific Northwest down in uh, the Willamette Valley. Um, so yeah. How about you, Joanna? Um, I too made myself a sidecar the other night after listening to Tim's most recent, or actually not most recent, but recent episode with Joaquin Simo on the sidecar. And then I was um, editing a piece by Brad Thomas Parsons about the Negroni and, you know. So then you had to have one. I had to have, I actually had to have one. <laughs> you did? I was like, I now I have to go make one right did now. Did you so. equal parts? I did equal parts. It's Classic. funny. I saw like someone like, like someone had like a tirade on their Instagram or TikTok like equal parts cocktails suck and equal parts Negroni suck and I was just like do we always have to have a thing yeah we do they're magical though come on I know I, I love I love Negroni's equal parts that's mm-hmm. why I was like why do we have to hate on this but I think equal parts cocktails are also magical because yeah. they're so easy to make they're so good mm-hmm. just come on guys less hate people yeah less hate what about you Adam uh okay so well <laughs> <laughs> I got to think back. Man, that's better be good. Yeah, no. That's a lot of um, So I had a really, I had a beer that I hadn't had in a really long time on Tuesday night. Uh, I had a Rochefort 8, mm-hmm. which is an amazing Belgian beer. Uh, and, you know, happened to be in Williamsburg and I'd had a meeting and a colleague and I, after the meeting, were like, oh, we should go for a drink. And so we wound up, we, we tried to go to this one bar and it was so crowded that we couldn't get in. And we're like, oh, there's that really famous Belgian bar over here. And, of course, it was now dead because it was famous like 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the last time you were in Williamsburg. Yeah, Williamsburg's soulless. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so we went, to, uh, we, went, we went over and got, a, got some beers and I had a roast for eight. And it was really, really delicious. And I just like I think with the hype of, you know, American craft beer and hazy IPAs and stuff like a, th- a lot of people have forgotten that sort of what really brought beer to the fore in in America, especially in like the early two thousands, you know, before I was really drinking beer. And then when I got to college and was drinking beer and the like late ish, early two thousands, uh, <laughs> was Belgian beer. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, there's just, there's so many good Belgian beers on the market and it was just nice to have like a, you know, one glass of Belgian beer and then go home. Um, so that's what I drank this week. Nice. It's like the most memorable thing. Do you think Belgian beers will make a comeback? I think it all does, right? It's all kind of cyclical. So I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, people get into it again. They're, I think that the reason Belgian beer kind of went away for a while is because there is a lot of pomp and circumstance behind Belgian beer. Like right. mm-hmm. each beer has its own specific glass where like at this bar we were given the Rochefort glass mm-hmm. and then we were given the, you know, and then the Rochefort beer was poured into the Rochefort glass. And I think that's with all Belgian beers. That's the, that's been their shtick for 
decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some people are like, why, why is there so much pomp and circumstance here? Like there's too much to deal with. Like I don't need 20 different glasses. I can just drink, you know, my hazy IPA in a pint like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's where, it, or, or in a tulip, if I'm being really serious mm-hmm. about it. Uh, and so I think that's where well, it all and went. It does sort of seem like craft and like Belgian, like fancy imports have had a, always had a weird tense relationship Yes, where like, craft beer here has exactly kind of mostly leaned into the thing you're describing Adam which is kind of the like we're not pretentious serve it to me in a you know in a in a pint glass yep. in a in a mason jar mm-hmm. or whatever right and and belgian beer which obviously has a lot of you know the sort of similar selling points i.e. like high quality you know very meticulously made craft product but it is very much this kind of like you know it's like it, maybe just because it's European, it, it, it kind of comes with some of the same connotations that like wine culture comes yeah, with, right? Definitely. Specialized glassware. Like you're supposed to like do a lot to like appreciate it. It's, it's just, it's got more of, yeah, pomp and circumstance. And that has not always sit well with the kind of craft beer ethos in this country. Completely. I completely mm-hmm. agree. So yes, that's what I drank. But uh, Joanna, you got today's topic. Yes. Today, um, I thought we could talk about Valentine's Day. Oh, um, right. the holiday that is happening as you're listening to this. Happy Valentine's Day, Happy Vine, Valentine's Day. Yeah, thanks for being our Valentine. Mm-hmm. And I thought we could talk about this because I think everyone likes to shit on Valentine's Day. <laughs> yes, they do. Um, and I thought this could be an interesting angle because why don't we just you know make a case for Valentine's Day? Like it's not so bad, is it? February is a terrible, terrible month. Yeah, there's really not much going yeah. on this month pretty dreary in most parts of the country um why don't we take a day to you know celebrate maybe a partner maybe not i I understand why people have issues with valentine's day and that it's a hallmark holiday and all that but i think that you know it doesn't have to be so bad and we can use it to you know celebrate friends and uh partnership and all sorts of good things and and maybe go out to dinner yeah um and support our local restaurants in a way that maybe we haven't in a while um yeah so that's that's my hot take um let's celebrate valentine's day and that it doesn't have to be so loathed yeah i think i think (laughs) like the thing with valentine's day why it gets such a bad rap or why it had is because you know i think i think it's important to look at this in a pre and a post COVID lens. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Although some people are going to come out and be like, we're not post COVID Adam. Look, we're getting there guys. We're getting <laughs> there. So I think, you know, pre COVID when we, you know, before we sort of had a huge reality check as a species, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I under, I understand the beef, right? You're like, Oh, I'm going out to the restaurant and like, it's I mean, my service is being rushed and there's so much pressure and you know it's expensive and it's only a price fix menu and blah 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 and you only saw it from your perspective but from the restaurant's perspective it's holy shit like since new year's eve right business has been fucked yeah, really you know really. we've had basically a month and a half of, of limited covers very few turns you know, we've not had people coming in and spending the kind of money they were spending. If people are buying bottles, they're going for the lower end of the list. You know, they're having an appetizer and a glass of wine and leaving. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people are doing dry January. Like this is this is like the the rebound. This is the time we make the money back and then we move into sort of people getting really excited about spring. Right. And I think it was really hard to see that perspective pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that post-COVID we can see that perspective. Yeah. Right. And that is the restaurants really do need this. And I'm about to, mm-hmm. to, you know, call another publication out, but like the New York Times published an article this week that was encouraging people to cook at home for Valentine's Day. And I thought this year that is the most tone deaf article they could have posted. <laughs> because 
this year of all years when half of the restaurants, especially on the East Coast, got decimated right in the middle of the holidays by Omicron, do not tell people as New York's paper to go to cook at home. Mm -hmm. You should be encouraging people who feel comfortable. I understand that. But as we know from the subways and whatever, there's a lot of people that now feel comfortable to go out to eat Mm -hmm. because the restaurants still aren't getting the support they needed. Mm -hmm. And they are still not, you know, and people are still being really hard on these, these professionals. We need to go out and support them. And if the way that they can do three covers a night instead of two is price fix, deal with the fucking price fix, Mm -hmm. you know, and go support the restaurants and go have a good time and make it not just your love for your significant other, but your love for restaurants and going. Yes. But there are also plenty of places that don't do the price. Exactly. Right. You could just go to those places or go out for a drink or something like that. Well, exactly. Why did you work at a place that did price fix on Valentine's Day? Uh, yeah, I have worked at places that why? did a prefix menu, and why did yeah, they why do did it? they do it? Give, give us like a rational example <laughs> so that the people can understand. <laughs> well, so I will say a couple of things. One is that any night where you're going to be busy, uh, really busy, like a Valentine's Day, potentially like a New Year's Eve, it greatly benefits the kitchen yep. to, and to some extent, service to streamline the menu. Sure. So the benefit of doing a, a, a any kind of fixed course men, menu is that it's a lot easier for any almost almost always it's much easier for any kitchen to put out a lot of a few dishes than a lot of a lot of dishes uh, even if you're making the same amount of food the fewer things you have to prep the fewer things you have to be ready to assemble on the fly it's just much easier and it allows you to do a higher volume to keep things moving. Cause again, as you mentioned, Adam, a big part of it for, for restaurants on these kind of nights is not just, you know, the per check average, but it's how many people they can get through the door. And if you can keep turn time short uh, or relatively short, i.e. the amount of time between one, one table sits down and then the next table is able to sit down at that same spot, you're going to get more people through. That's going to be better for revenue. And of course, the other piece of it too, is like it allows you to streamline costs a little bit. I mean, prefix menus are not always more cost effective for a restaurant, but in a lot of cases they can be, whether it's because you can buy more quantity of an, of the item you're going to be selling, which often can get you a slightly better mm-hmm. price from the wholesaler. Or again, just because you're, you're better able to utilize people's yeah. time, your, your cook's time in prepping things. I will also say this, look, there is undeniably some element to of truth to the notion that like, oh, restaurants are going to gouge you on these holidays. And like gouge is maybe a little extreme. Yes. You know, did I work at a place that raised menu prices on Valentine's Day? Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. Did I work at a place that uh, one of the places I worked, I should say, did I, you know, was there uh, definitely a sort of idea that if you put some very premium seeming ingredients in a dish you could charge more for it than a similar dish without you know without your additions of truffle or caviar uh, you know caviar Mm. or whatever but again you know to joanna's point there are lots of restaurants that are open in any place that are not you know that are not doing that that they're going to offer the exact same menu they always offer they're going to have the same pricing etc yeah and like i think that you do not it does not make sense to me like of all the days that that I would think about staying home and cooking dinner, Valentine's Day, if someone you're if someone who likes to go out and and you're going to do something with your partner or wh- or whatever, like, do you really want to be doing dishes afterwards? Yeah, totally. Like, no. <laughs> uh-uh. It's like it's like the least romantic thing. You totally. Can do. Now, you know, if you're if you're boring like me and have a, you know a wife and two kids, then like doing the dishes is about as romantic as it gets. <laughs> but like, oh, no, most of you Zach, listening to this, this a cry are hoping not. <laughs> No, that's something they like to do. I know. Together. <laughs> together. You guys do the dishes together? 
Oh no, I do the dishes. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're not going to get into gesture. this. It's, it's, it's a romantic like, gesture that he makes. It's yeah. not a. It's not a like. Oh, we do it together, and, and they also kind of dance, and they're playing a song in the background, and you know, as they as they as they, as they no. load the dishwasher. <laughs> Maybe when the kids are out of the house, but uh, for now, no. It's mostly just about efficiency. Mm-hmm. And so, in the past, have you have you both gone out for Valentine's Day? Do you celebrate? Not so much, but more because I'm usually working. I mean, yeah. pre-pandemic, I was always in the restaurant those nights. So no. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Joanna? Um, I haven't. I, I've gone out in the past and I've also stayed home in the yeah. past. Um, it really just depends on the year, I guess. This year I'll be going out. Yes. <laughs> right. You can't, we can't have this podcast. And then, <laughs> no. and then Joanna Instagram is like, nice meal at home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. But I get. I think that it's just like a small thing that, like, you don't have to get gifts, like maybe flowers or candies or things like yeah. that. Like, but I feel like going out to dinner is a nice thing to do. Going is the best. I had my first like real Valentine's dinner in New York. Um, it was a year after I moved here. Like, I felt like I had enough money. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna treat my now wife. We're gonna go out to dinner. And there was this restaurant that we had noticed that had like, it was a cave mm-hmm. on the inside. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was the first time I ever went to this restaurant called Invino, mm-hmm. which oh. Keith used to own. <laughs> and really, that's before I knew Keith, and that was my first Valentine's Day experience. And <sighs> Zach Mack was such a great waiter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> another beautiful relationship was born. That yeah, night. exactly. Mm-hmm. See, so you never know who you're going to meet, although I didn't meet Keith that night. Oh. <laughs> uh, I just met Zach Mack. And I had fish, which is weird, because I don't think you ever really had fish on the menu. Speak of the specials that <laughs> someone puts on for Valentine's Day. But I think I had like a whole roasted fish. Uh, and there was some other like really special stuff. We had like, the like the table all the way back in the corner. Keith knows what I'm talking about. It's like right by the window. Yeah, it's a great table. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was a re- it became like a very important restaurant for us for various reasons and afterwards. But yeah. that was like a, you know... I think it's if you also if you have a Valentine's Day experience that is really special and they take care of you and the staff is good, that's a restaurant you go back to multiple times. Sure, right. right? Um, and I think a lot of restaurants know that they know that there's going to definitely be a portion of their audience that's never going to come back again, or they'll see next year, mm-hmm. right? And then there's going to be a portion that like they're their first time in, but they did some they did some research. They're checking it out, and now they're like, "Huh, this is now going to become our date spot or a spot we come to to remember this special Valentine's Day or whatever, you know." And so I think you know it's also it's not fair to go in believing that like the staff is just trying to make as much money and rush you. Like a lot, like the majority of people that I know that work in the service industry, they're trying to give you the best fucking experience you can have. Mm-hmm. And they want, and it's because they want you to obviously have a great time now, but they also want you to come back. Right. right? They yeah. want to know that they did such a great job that you will come on a random Friday night when it's just date night, right? Mm-hmm. That you won't come just for the special occasion. So look again, if you're maybe at per se, that's a different story, right? Uh, they, they know you're, you're a once a few years, person unless right. again yeah. you're like uh i don't know stan cronky cronky owns the fucking rams yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know like they they know i love that zach said it too it's like yeah it's mm-hmm. the, well who's the rich person they about just drinking a screaming eagle can you just think about that dude's just like yeah screaming eagle <laughs> <laughs> also i hate the we are we are overdue for an episode about cult wines like i want to make oh. this happen sometime soon yeah. because we i feel have like to. for a lot of our listeners they might they, they may even be like what the fuck are we talking about but like mm-hmm. it is impossible but i don't want to sidetrack us too much but but it is impossible to to fully explain kind of how ridiculous things like screaming eagle really are no i, I want to sidetrack you know here's the deal with screaming eagle as the name you know all i can think of is is anyone all also watching the new show on hbo yeah you know what i'm talking about keith what's it called 
Peacemaker. Exactly. Mm. And and who's his who's his best friend? Eagly. And that's all I can think of. All I can think of is Eagly. <laughs> screaming oh, see, all I can just think of like... is the like intro to the to the now deceased Colbert rapport. Oh my god! Oh, yes. Oh my god. Yes. yes. Which had like the red, white, and blue eagle that like yes. screeched right at the screeched. intro. That's you all know, I ever thought. Of. <laughs> I mean, I've never had it before, so you've never oh, had really? screaming screaming. Eagle. No, I really don't care to. Mm. Have you ever had it, Zach? I've tasted it before. Uh, we definitely had a guest bring it. I, actually, a couple times I've had guests bring it in. Um, and once they were nice enough to give me a taste. And I mean, again, you know, it's it's fine wine, but it, it's like not really the style that I'm all that excited about. And again, you know, so much of that is you're just buying, you know, I don't know, a certain kind of clout or cachet yep. or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Yep. Which fine. You know, those things exist, you know, as we've talked about a bunch in this on this podcast, like the the luxury brands now in a lot of ways exist kind of almost outside of whatever their qualities are in the glass yep. they're much more about other things than necessarily about the enjoyment of drinking them they're Just about showing crazy. off how much money you have i want to make another point about valentine's yes, day yes please that I, think got I took us off track i apologize <laughs> well you're good uh it's our podcast we can do whatever we want um true i was gonna say that um one thing for me that's always been interesting too is that there there's an element that has gone around Valentine's Day, and I think it's been sometimes talked about by people who would be restaurant diners. It's been talked about by um, people within the industry, for sure, of kind of the, like, how do you create a space? Like, is is Valentine's Day kind of, I don't know, like, weirdly exclusionary, right? Because, like, the three of us are all partnered. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Valentine's Day is definitely a, you know, more, I mean, I don't know. It's, you think of it's more of a holiday for people or an event for people who have, you know, a serious partner of one form or another, or at least someone they're dating with some regularity. But I wonder too, you know, is there some element of, of like the way that things are set up in restaurants that, like, could it could it be more? Could we do more of an effort, make more of an effort to sort of say like, you know. It, in the way that, that New Year's Eve doesn't have that connotation, right? It's like mm-hmm. that night that people go out, period. Like, could there be more of a, like, yeah, sure, we understand people are going to be out doing the, you know, romantic candlelit thing. But also, like, I think sometimes the problem with Valentine's Day as a as a, as a restaurant or as a partner is that, like, there isn't another thing that goes along with it. And, and there isn't something that kind of is, um, you know, that's like, it's like not fun. I guess is maybe the thing that sometimes comes <laughs> it's on. not fun. <laughs> well, well, I mean, what I mean is like, or not sometimes not fun. It's that it's not. It it, it doesn't feel. No, I it doesn't feel as yeah, I think I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I know. I don't know. What do you think, Jana? How we make this feel yeah, fun? Yeah, I mean, I guess we could just take away things like things for two. Like, may, actually, making it more like a New Year's Eve thing is yeah. kind of smarter. Like, if you're going to do a. Um, special menu. It doesn't have to be just for two, you know. Yeah, like the steak for two, right? Exactly. The whole the, fish for two. Yeah. The I also think you know the the romantic part of it is obviously important, but like people can bring the romance themselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think it's you know going into the going into the restaurant and not only seeing two tops, right? Right. Exactly. So like there mm-hmm. being some other groups, uh, you know, having this 
opportunity to sort of just have lots of really good food and not do the, you know, this is all about the, the you know, not going overboard to the restaurant. Like, and now we have the chocolate lava cake. Right, for, exactly. And, you yeah. know, the, would you like the oysters as well as an aphrodisiac? You know <laughs> like, you know, all those things we yeah. don't. Yeah, exactly. Would you like to start with a glass of champagne as well? Um, I mean, I think yes, those, always. Those things, yeah, I mean, exactly. But so those are the, uh, those are the things I think that could be done. And mm-hmm. I think that, that would be a really good idea for a lot of restaurants because I think, you know, the really romantic restaurants people are going who are looking for that will go to and there there are restaurants that are just inherently romantic mm-hmm. right like that's just kind of their vibe like in vino like in vino <laughs> oh god you know how many proposals happen in vino i actually don't know but i think a lot <laughs> I think a lot uh yeah keith should have like taken so, you know gotten a piece of the action or something anyways uh like how hired you should have a photographer on staff but uh but I think, yeah, there's a lot of restaurants that people go to that are just like great neighbor. Like, like can you imagine, like we talked about this before, but mm-hmm. Kiki's, mm-hmm. right? Like, like Kiki's is the best, but like Kiki's could have a fun Valentine's day, right? No one's going to Kiki's for romance. They're going because the mm-hmm. food is bomb and it's a great atmosphere and it's all with their friends and it's affordable wine. Like that could be a place that's a yeah. great spot for Valentine's day. Yeah. Right. Because it's just a really fun spot. Like I think there's so many places like that in New York that are just so solid and the vibe is great. The staff is great. And they don't have to be that romantic Valentine's Day mm-hmm. vibe. Uh, I think there's a little bit of a pressure to be that, though. Yeah, like, I don't think you necessarily, in, even for people who are in, like, long-term relationships, do you want every Valentine's Day dinner to be kind of, like, the same copy-paste thing? Like, no. I think like, this is my thing, right? Like, this is, this is I guess, maybe gets to the crux of what I was saying. There's a way in which Valentine's Day dinners can sort of be like Thanksgiving, right? Where you're like... Well, this is what we do because it's the like holiday. Very I'm sick of my filet mignon. I don't want it on Valentine's yeah. Day. Get it well, out of here. Kind of, yes. I mean, I think like it's weird to me that like whether it's yeah, like an expensive cut of beef or like, yeah, you know, some very elaborate <laughs> seafood dish yeah. or like, yeah, you know, we're going to have – yeah, the, the, exactly. The the chocolate molten lava, lava cake, cake or whatever mm-hmm. the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get and that at Trader like, Joe's now. I don't know if you guys knew that. <laughs> it, you're such a repository of useful knowledge, Adam. Let you guys know. Um, <laughs> um, but th- that's my point, I guess, is like I would encourage our listeners um, to think about like, you know, maybe it's a little too late for tonight for those of you right. listening to this on Valentine's Day. But like, you know, I think there's something you said about about having that kind of experience from time to time, but mixing up your Valentine's Day um, celebrations, whether it's by maybe going out with a group of, you know, couple friends and and like doing something that's a little bit like, you know, not what you're, you typically do. And, and there can be romance and like celebrating your relationship together, but also in this community of people that are meaningful to you. I don't know. I just, I feel like that sometimes everyone, whether it's restaurants, whether it's uh, diners gets a little bit like, loses lacks creativity when it comes to valentine's day yeah and i think i I don't know i was looking at some valentine's day survey information and it seems like people are the people who are celebrating valentine's day like want to mark like want to celebrate it this year given the the pandemic and wanting to actually do something so i feel like there's a huge opportunity for people who you know want to go out to dinner and want to you know want to participate but um maybe yeah like you said zach shake, shake things up a little bit yeah. Shake it up. Mm-hmm. Well, so I have a question. Yeah. What will you be drinking on Valentine's Day? That's a good question. It depends on where I go, I suppose. <laughs> what would you like to drink? Oh. What would you order? Um, Ideal order. Screaming Eagle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. Start with a cocktail. Nice. Which and, one? Uh, well, a martini. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I'm not like a, 
I like all cocktails, you know. Yeah, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Cocktails are great. Yeah. And then maybe switch to wine or some sparkling French, wine. French, Italian. I don't know, man. Argentina. <laughs> I don't know, man. What about you, Adam? <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, where, can our, where can your diehard fans find you this Valentine's Day? <laughs> I don't have any reservations yet. I'm going to go somewhere. I, I probably will go um, actually to the the restaurant I really like in our neighborhood that's like more casual. But Cafe Paulette. Oh, okay. Also, because I mean, you know, I'd go to Misada, but I'm not going to be able to get Misada, in. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to get in. It's probably been booked already. Mm. So, you know. I would totally go to Misada, mm-hmm. first and foremost, always, but not be able to get in. So I'm going to go to Cafe Paulette. Um, they have a they have a, a good wine list. Some of it's natural, though, so mm-hmm. I got to figure that out. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we know there's no such thing as natural wine, Keith. Mm-hmm. Keith's like in the back, just like really. It's all natural. It's, everything's natural, <laughs> including love. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I probably will have, I don't know, I probably have a martini. I like a martini. Mm-hmm. And then a, a bottle of bu- bubbly. Mm-hmm. You know, probably champagne. Yeah. Let's be clear. I, I, feel like like, I feel like Zach has his bottles already picked up. Yeah, Zach, what is it? Oh, no. I was going to say, I don't even know what I'm making. Oh. I will be making dinner because you again, have to. The two kids. <laughs> yeah. And doing the dishes, as 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 mentioned. Mm. Um, I think probably this that it will be an opportunity for Caitlin and I to have probably a bottle that is, you know, that is significant to us in one way or another. Nice. Um, so it's from the Pacific Northwest? Some, I think it's old. Older, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I missed what you said. I said probably for the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> uh, actually, probably not. Uh, really? Uh, yeah, we've got some older bottles from Piedmont that we. Oh. Uh, okay. Cool. You know, it's a place That's that fine. we've traveled that we enjoy. <laughs> um, I'll probably end up making steak, I guess, just because like it's a thing that we do both enjoy. My son is also kind of obsessed with it right now. Oh, that's good. Um, <laughs> when you yeah, when they so. like something you like, that's nice. That's good. Yes. No. Well, his his favorite food is is sashimi which is wild right uh, <laughs> you did tell us that before uh, yes yeah. it's definitely more sashimi before i was like 25 but, uh, zach do you palate yeah. train your child of course <laughs> what, what's the point of having kids what's the point of having kids i have a i have a cute story about him to share actually since we're on this topic so Please. the other day we were i opened i opened said bottle of uh big table farm chardonnay and he was like, what is that? And I was like, oh, it's uh, it's a Chardonnay. And he's like, have I had it before? And I was like, well, you've had some Chardonnays. He's like, but have I had this Chardonnay? And I was like, no. He's like, he like goes, this I'm. vintage? Yeah, and then have he goes, I had then it? he goes, blind me, daddy. Blind me. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't quite gotten there yet. But yeah. No, he's uh, he's very interested in tasting wine. So. That's awesome. That's amazing. That's actually very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. So See, can, that's, can, that's can, the end result of romance, folks, for some of us. <laughs> He, can he pick out aromas and things? Uh, no, we haven't quite gotten there yet. He, oh, he basically just says will. good about all of it, except for good. one wine he didn't like. I think that's like, it so far. Bad. Was it a natural wine? <laughs> it was not. It was a it was a rosé, which he's had other rosés and liked them, but that one he did not care for, for whatever reason. Hmm. Amazing. Well, I wish you both a very happy Valentine's yes, Day. Yes, and to you all. Thanks, you too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everyone else and that is listening. And uh, see you back here on Friday. Yep, see you then. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair's tasting director, who is additionally a producer on this show. 
I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making the show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.